0: Let's read. John chapter 20. You've turned there. I'll get there. (laughs) Now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. That's John, but he's not going to say so. And Mary said to them, they've taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've laid him. Peter therefore went out, and the other disciple, still John, and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together. The other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. And he saw the linen cloths lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also, and he saw and believed. A wise man once told me, if you're trying to get to the heart of a passage you're trying to figure out what a text in scripture means and what God is saying, look at the verbs. Because the verbs tell you what's happening, what's moving, what's changing. One of the verbs that jumps off the page in the eight verses we just read is ran. Did you notice that? Verse 2, Mary Magdalene ran to Peter and John. Verse 4, Peter and John ran together with the tomb. Still, verse 4, John outran Peter. Okay, they were running. It was a running kind of a morning. So what? Where are you going with this, Patrick? I agree. At first, it doesn't seem like a big thing. Until you consider there's not a lot of running in the Gospels. Hardly any, in fact. There's a few exceptions. Running to Jesus because he's healing, because he's doing this miracle, that sign, that. But, but, but for the most part, there's no running in any of the Gospels until you get to the very end. And then not just in John, in all of the Gospels, everybody is running everywhere all at once. Rushing, running, moving quickly in some translations to the tomb, from the tomb, going to tell people about the tomb. The morning of the resurrection, people are running all over the place. Look at the verbs. They tell you what's happening, what's moving, what's changing. That Sunday morning, everyone was moving because everything had changed. And people were running to tell people about it. This Sunday morning, that's what we're going to talk about. People were running. Okay, I got that. But let's talk about why they were running and how they were running. When were they running and where were they running and who was running with them? That's our outline today. Why and who, when and where, and who with. Why and how, when and where, and who with. Sorry about that. Let's start off with why. Why were people running? What's interesting, there's no one-size-fits-all answer to that question. Not everyone was running for the same reason. Not everyone was running to have the same conversation. Mary, it seems pretty clear, was scared out of her mind. She was running out of fear. Jesus' body was missing. Where did it go? Where did they put it? What does it mean? Mary was running from a place of fear. Peter and John, on the other hand, you get the sense that they were running from a place of hope, don't you? Because otherwise, why would they go back? Mary comes, says, hey, the body is gone. What are they going to see that she hasn't seen? The body's gone. There's no reason to go unless they were hoping to find some kind of evidence, some indication that Jesus was alive. But even Peter and John, they're going together, they're running, verse 4, side by side. They're, They're not in the same headspace. They're running together, physically next to each other, but mentally, spiritually, they're in really different places. They didn't have the same why. John, John, I think, is just running, hoping to see his friend. John loved Jesus. And so it's easy to guess that's what motivated him. I think he was simply, purely hoping that Jesus was really risen from the dead. Peter's situation, Peter's situation a little bit more complicated. Because the last time Peter saw Jesus, what was he doing? Jesus who? Last time Peter saw Jesus, he denied him three times. So I think, yeah, Peter was hoping that Jesus was risen, but he was also aware if he was, that was going to be an awkward conversation. On the other hand, maybe it would also be a chance to apologize. Maybe this this would give him a do-over. I sometimes wonder if that's why John got there first. Because he just wanted to see Jesus. His motivation was simple. It was pure. Peter, he's spinning in his head about all of the whys and the wherefores and the implications. Did that slow him down a little? It's impossible to know. What I do know is that all of us are in different places this morning too. Some of us here are like Mary. We're wrestling with doubt. Some of us are like Peter, Peter. Perhaps rack with guilt. Some of you are John. You just want to worship. We're all in different places, and there are more options than those three. It's not like John Peter and Mary give us a complete list. But the question we need to ask, wherever we're coming from, what are we running to? Whatever our motivation, are we running at all? Or are we letting ourselves stay stuck? Second thing I can't help but notice this morning. Second thing that jumps off the page at me as I look at the verbs. John, Peter, Mary, they're not running to save time. They're not running for exercise. They're not running just to cover some distance. They're running, how? With a sense of urgency, right? Right? I mean, there's no other way to read it. The tomb is empty. What does it mean? They've taken the body. What do we do? Jesus is risen. Who do we tell? They were running. But more than that, how were they running? Second point on your outline, they were running in a drop everything, set everything aside. This is what we're doing right now, and nothing else matters. The resurrection was not one of the important things on their list of things to do that day. It was the important thing. It was the only important thing. And for most of their lives, it remained the only important thing. The obvious question, do we run, do we have that same urgency that we see in Peter and John and Mary? Are we not only running in the direction of God, do we have that same kind of urgency about the things of God? And I want to be honest, because I hear that's a good thing if you're a pastor. (laughs) I start sentences like that and then I find myself, okay, as opposed to all of the times that you're not. (laughs) But let me be real. I I struggle with urgency sometimes. And those of you who know me well know that about me. I struggle with urgency sometimes because there's a part of me that thinks that I have to have everything figured out before I hit the gas. Before I start to run, I need to know where I'm going and what is going to happen on the way. Can anyone relate? Say amen if I'm not alone. So sometimes I don't run to tell people about Jesus Because what if I do it wrong and they end up offended And they never want to hear the gospel from anyone ever again And this was my one shot and I blew it Yes, I know it doesn't work that way I'm aware God, God loves people way too much to let their salvation depend on me But see, sometimes in my head I get twisted up And I find myself not running. Sometimes I don't run to tell people about Jesus. Sometimes I don't run to Jesus to talk about me. Kind of like Peter. If I talk to Jesus, I'm going to have to talk about, you know, the thing that happened. And I'm going to have to talk about the fact that it's not the first time it happened. It happened again. And I know his grace doesn't run out. But if he asks, so Patrick, what's gonna be different? What are you gonna do to make it different? I don't know what I'm gonna say. So probably I shouldn't have the conversation until I have a good answer to that question. So instead of talking to Jesus, I just sit with myself and stay stuck sometimes. Sometimes I don't run to Jesus. Sometimes I don't run to deal with my doubts about Jesus. Some of you are looking at the person next to you, this guy's your pastor, really. A minute ago he was talking about his sin and now he's talking about his doubts. Kind of a low bar you got here at Calvary. (laughs) I've got doubts. So do you. We're human. Doubt isn't the bad part. Doubt isn't the problem. The problem is sitting with doubt Wherever it comes from, the wickedness of the world just is overwhelming. The suffering in the world is too much. The lack of love in the world is sad beyond words. We, we let it get to us. How does God let that how does God allow it? How does he let it continue? And then we sit with that and don't do anything about it instead of running to the Bible, instead of running to another pastor, instead of running to God in prayer, sometimes I just sit and stuck. Because, here's my inner game, what happens if I look for an answer and I can't find it? What happens if I find an answer and I don't believe it? I get that that's self-defeating. If I go after my doubts, I might end up with doubts, So I'm just gonna sit here and doubt. That's some huckleberry good logic there, Patrick. But sometimes I do it. Anyone else tell me I'm not alone? Thank you. So the next thing we have to remember, the next thing we have to see and take away from this passage, we don't have to have everything figured out before we start running when is the right time next outline point when is the right time to start running running to the bible running to god in prayer running to another pastor or brother or sister if you're a sister the right time isn't when we know the answer i mean that's fun hey look what i found look what i figured out look what god showed me that's great but it's not necessary The best time to start running is not when we have an answer, it's when we figure out we have a question. John didn't have all of the answers. Peter didn't have it all figured out. Mary didn't have any of it figured out. None of them had it all squared away, but they still ran. And where did they run? Next bullet point already. We're knocking them out. Where did they run? Ultimately to Jesus. Mary hasn't gotten there quite yet. She gets there in a few more verses. But we need to be clear. We're running to Jesus. It's, not, it's, it's not enough to say, well, I'm running toward God. I'm running in a Godwardly direction. That doesn't get it. That's not enough. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one gets to God without going through me. The only road to God goes by way of the cross. We need to run to Jesus. And we need to run to Jesus no matter where we're starting today. You're here, and you got a backpack full of sadness, a bucket of guilt. You're dragging along a sack of uncertainty or a box of fear. You know what? John, Peter, Mary, everyone we could name in Scripture, they had baggage. Other than Jesus, there's no one that shows up in the Bible that doesn't come with baggage. But that morning... Peter and John, Mary Magdalene, still decided Jesus was the priority of their lives. Mary's trying to understand him. Peter wants to get right with him. John just wants to worship him. But they didn't let the yuck get in the way. They had their their yuck, their stuff. They didn't let it get in the way. They ran to Jesus, yuck and all. Because the Christian life is messy. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. The Christian life is messy. It starts messy. For most of us, it starts when our lives are a complete mess. We took our life, we made a mess, and then we messed up our mess. How did we come to Christ? Those of us who are believers... For most of us, it was when everything was falling apart and nothing was working. Things that already burned down and, 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 and now we're trying to light the ashes on fire. It took a mess. I'll talk about me. It took a mess for me to realize I needed a Savior. And I know I'm not alone. Maybe you're in a mess right now. Some of you have come here this morning and you didn't run to get here. Some of you were dragged. Some of you were bullied. Some of you were bribed. I'll take you out to breakfast. I'll buy you the $6 coffee. But you didn't run. And you don't know what you think about all this Jesus stuff. As I'm, as I'm talking, the, the thought maybe occurs, all right, getting right with God maybe wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Getting right with God might be a good idea. But I'm not ready. I need to get my act together first. I use that line for years. I'll, I'll come to God once, once I get my act together. Once I get things straightened out. That's not how it works. The first step in getting your act together is Jesus. Your act, my act, Jesus is the first step for any of us. Don't try to clean up your own act. You'll make things worse. You're the one who made the mess. Do what you always did. Get what you always got. Change something. Let Jesus Clean the mess. Don't try to clean it up without him. Bring your mess to him. Ask him, Jesus, save me from my mess. Bring him into your mess, Jesus, save me from myself. I'm a mess maker, and he will. He has. Look around. He does. Because Jesus does messy. Jesus does messy. Good thing or none of us would be here. And he doesn't stop doing messy once we come to him. He doesn't say, okay, I cleaned you up once. Now you're on your own. Good luck. Take it from here. No, he doesn't stop doing messy once we know him. He still wants to be with us in the mess after we've invited him into our lives. He still wants to be cleaning and straightening and organizing and refining and sanctifying. So when we doubt, when we don't understand because nothing makes sense and I'm really afraid, he says, okay, let's talk about it. Let's figure it out together. And when we mess up, because we always mess up and can't stop messing up and I know we're supposed to be more than conquerors but I don't know that I ever will be he says okay come on over here let's, let's talk about it let's see what we can do about it and when it just seems too complicated too everything too much and we don't want it to be and we, and, and we need it to not be we just want to sit and worship Jesus says okay let's do that That sounds good. And when we listen to him, tell me if this isn't true. When we finally go to him and say, Jesus, here's here's a big old bucket of yuck. I've been saving it up for a while. When we go to him, isn't it true our only regret ever is we didn't go sooner? Our only regret is that we didn't run to Jesus in the first place. Pop quiz from our passage this morning. Who was the first person to believe on the risen Christ? John. Peter still had some figuring out to do. John believed. Why? Because without knowing everything without understanding everything, even while still doubting, he ran the hardest. You will not get your act together in this life. Period. Exclamation point. Full stop. You will not get your life together your Comple- act completely together in this life and neither will I and here's the thing we need to let go of thinking that we need to that that has to come first until we get to heaven our lives are going to be messy and that's okay We need to run and pray anyway. We need to run and serve Jesus anyway. We need to run and read about Jesus anyway. We need to run and share our faith in Jesus anyway. I don't know how to share my faith. Just start. Run to where the people are. Tell them who you were. Tell them who you are. Tell them who made the difference. I don't know where to serve. I don't know what my gifts are or what the church needs. Run to ministry. Run to a church. Run to a pastor and just, how can I help? This is when I have time. What can I do? I don't know how to pray. Run to God's throne of grace. He's waiting for you there. And just just talk. Just start. Tell God about your day. What was hard? What was fun? What was joyful? What was painful? Just talk. And then take the time to listen. Whatever Jesus is calling you to do, run toward it. Today, right now, just start. And bring him along as you do. Because Jesus does messy. Jesus likes startup projects. Jesus likes renovation. Jesus likes helping out beginners. And he never, ever, ever runs out of grace for failure. He does messy. And we should too. Here we are at our final point already. Why do we run? Because we all have needs only Jesus can help us with. How do we run? With urgency. When do we run? As soon as we know that we need to. Where do we run to Jesus? Who do we run to Jesus with? Each other. Can't help but notice, with all of the running around happening that Sunday morning, people in, in, in different headspaces completely People with different issues, people not even in the same place with Jesus. No one wanted to be alone. All of the running around, it was always with someone or to someone or both. And that's not new. Go back to the very beginning of John's gospel, you find Andrew meeting Jesus. And he says, Wow, you're Jesus. You're the Messiah. You're the one we've been waiting for. What's the very next thing that he does? He goes and finds his brother. And says, Hey, I got to teach you, I got to take you to meet Jesus. It's a few chapters later in John chapter 4. The disciples go into town for lunch. They leave Jesus at a well. Along comes a Samaritan woman. They have a conversation. And she says, Wow. Next thing you know, she goes back into town and she's telling everybody about Jesus. And the whole town is going to meet Jesus. All throughout the Gospels, the consistent response to meeting Jesus and believing on Jesus is telling other people about Jesus and bringing them to him. And not one of them, none of them, had Jesus completely figured out. Andrew says, hey, Simon, I've met the Messiah. Simon Peter says, cool, what does that mean to us? Andrew says, I don't know, but we should go follow him and find out. The Samaritan woman says, hey, I've met this man who told me everything I've ever done and who I did it with. Okay, why do I care? I'm not sure, but I think he might be the Christ. We should all go follow him. And it's no, it's no different in our passage this morning. Mary Magdalene did not know what the empty tomb meant. She said so. But she knew she needed to not know with other people. She needed to bring other people into her confusion, into her doubt, into her questions. Peter and John ran to the tomb. They didn't know what they were going to find, but they decided that they would go together. And when they left the tomb, again, verse 8, they left in different places, same place physically. They left together, but spiritually, John was believing, Peter was still processing. They were in different places in their walk, but they still left together. Christian life is messy, and we are never gonna have all of the answers. We're going to struggle to keep running. We're going to struggle to not slip back into walking, into trudging. We're going to be sorely tempted to just sit and wait for things to make sense, for things to be easy, for things to be done for us. And one of the most important ways God gives us to combat that is each other so we can run together, so we can run to each other and with each other. Not in place of running to Christ, as a way to keep running to Christ and keep running with Christ. Peter and John ran to the tomb together. Verse four makes it clear they were racing each other. Scripture tells us to outdo one another in love. Same idea. They were pushing each other, not letting one another slow down. And we can imagine the inner dialogue. Peter thinking to himself, I'm not sure why we're doing this. Why are we running? What are we going to do when we get there? Mary already told us the tomb is empty. I don't know, but John's still running, so I'm going to keep running. Meanwhile, John is saying, I don't know that this makes sense. Can it really be true? What does it mean if it is true? What does it mean if it isn't true? I don't know, but Peter's still running, so I'm going to catch up. They were pushing each other, challenging each other, encouraging one another. And yeah, eventually the conversation needs to be more than that. There needs to be some talking with one another. There needs to be some opening of the word together, confessing sin to one another, praying for one another. But before any of that can happen, There needs to be a commitment. A commitment between two people, a commitment among a group of people who are going to have different gifts and different callings and different struggles and different sins. There needs to be a commitment in that diverse, messy group of people to run the race together. The tomb is empty. What does that mean for you this morning? What does God have for you in this season of life? What doesn't make sense for you right now? What about your faith are you still trying to figure out? What sin is tripping you up? And what's it going to take to get past it? Patrick, stop interrogating me. I don't know. (laughs) Good. Me neither. But let's not wait until we have the answer to start asking the question, all right? Jesus does messy. Let's run to him. The body of Christ is messy. Let's run together. Jesus, thank you that you're risen. And thank you that the power that raised you from the grave dwells in us. Thank you that you're, you are alive and your spirit is alive in us. And that in you we find wisdom. In you we find clarity. In you we find purpose. In you we find power. In you we find rest. Revive us, Lord. Each of us individually, all of us collectively. Pour your spirit out upon this church. Renew us. Bring fresh fire. That we might run to you easily and often. That we might be refreshed in you, strengthened in you, emboldened by you. That we might run forth in your love to fill the ministry that's been given us you the good works that you prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, that we should walk in them with you.